condition, my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Him. I found my mind in a. Well, I'm on base station, Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pepper's on the board. SP futures up 775. NASDAQ futures up 30. Just after a big update yesterday. We uh, we don't care about no stinking Fed. Uh, the Fed has told everybody they're not going to get in the way of the stock market's rally, and the market believes them. And uh, anyway, Kevin, how are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, the the market believes them, and that has proven to be true. But in general, why would you believe the the Fed about anything? <laughs> um, you, I believe exactly that they're going to take care of the people that are in power and, yeah. and the rich people. I believe that 100. percent so it's not going to be like, uh, um, you know, Flounder uh, after they brought his brother's car back from the road trip. You bleeped up. You trusted us. Yeah, bleeped up. You trusted us. <laughs> it's a, no, the I, I uh, then they had a, a, one of the guys on CNBC, one of their big stars now, um, giving some long story how he superimposed. Talk more about this at Russell. The the Fed decreasing balance sheet chart over the stock market chart. And how people are convinced that the Fed is Fed's actions impact the market, and how they're lowering their balance sheet, and how the market should get on, but the market is resisting that and going up. You forgot all about the incredible shot of money they put in six weeks ago or eight weeks ago because of the Silicon Valley and how that's working its way through. And yeah, they're lowering stuff now. But totally forgot the part about the forty percent increase in the balance sheet and how it put a forty percent increase on the stock market. I mean. It is amazing what you can, what conclusions you can draw, depending on what little piece of the data you look at. I can be pretty good at that. I could I could argue both sides with, and say, oh man, if you look at this one, you know, this happens this way, and that's clearly this happened again. Have you forgot about this part? Oh yeah, well let's let's not let's forget about that part. You know, did you watch any of the game last night? Oh, I I, I watched the uh, bottom of the ninth. I watched Craig Kimball try to walk away the. Uh, uh, the lead. Oh, really? I was, I, w- I was done by then. But I. Uh, well, he, he they got the first two outs, and then he, uh, uh, then he uh, walked a couple of batters, and it looked like the Craig Kimball that we or Kimbrel that yeah. we saw. Right, first when he got with the Cubs, it looks like he, he seems like a guy who just takes a long time to adapt to his settings. 
um, because he went through the same thing with the White Sox, where he he just as soon as they moved him across town, uh, while he was pitching well, and then they said, okay, new environment, sorry, I, you know, I'm I'm a fish out of water here, and it showed up in his pitching, um, it, which is a little weird, but that would say if you acquire the guy, you better uh, you better stick with him because he'll turn back into an all star eventually, but uh, nevertheless, you know, I. I I, I always tell uh, my students all the time, especially my management students, <clears throat> that there are two things that offend me terribly. One of them is bad management, and the other one is bad baseball. And um, uh, and, and when I watch a pitcher get two outs with a one-run lead, and then start, and then get in front of hitters and start throwing non-competitive pitches that you know are. are eight inches out of the strike zone, ten, not even close, nothing that would even tempt the batter to swing, um, then I, I'm sitting here, you know, yelling at the TV, oh, yeah. even though I really don't care about the outcome at all. Hey, uh, I am, I'm, I'm somewhat stunned. I mean, we had a uh, discussion the other night uh, with my little, my little clatch, my, my little gang, about people who were, they of course thought were in the Hall of Fame that aren't, and uh, they were stunned, and only because I do the show, I was right. Uh, you know, people like Don Mattingly are not in there. Lou Whitaker is not in there. There's people that belong in there, and and clearly, if they if they played for, actually Mattingly did, if they played for uh, you know one of the East Coast teams, they'd have been in there. Uh, who's the guy that played for uh, Kansas City, the second baseman all those years? Uh, Frank. Uh, Frank White. Yeah, I mean he should be in there too. Uh, like well, it, it becomes it becomes a relative thing because you know for a lot of these guys and Lou Whitaker, I do think was a great player for a really long time. So I think I'm not arguing in the specific here, but I do think there are a lot of guys that go into the hall, like Scott Rowland. I said I never thought of Scott Rowland as a Hall of Famer. Really nice player, really nice career, um, but uh, but he's going into the Hall of Fame this year, and and I sit here and think well I suppose if you compare him to some of the other guys in the hall yeah maybe he you know maybe his numbers and his career measures up but you know I think that's because we've got a lot of people in the hall who don't belong there too well I, it's just a question of where you where, where you where you draw the line I mean I I would I would easily have you know Keith Hernandez, two ninety nine lifetime hitter and ten gold gloves or whatever. How much better do you got to be? I mean, you know, I mean, really. And Mark Grace, same way. I mean, he, he led the led the league in hits for a decade and uh, and, and what seven gold gloves. I mean, I, I would I would drop the level just a hair. I think there's like twenty guys that are probably every bit as good as some of the guys that are in there, and I I, I would do that. I would, that would be me. I wouldn't put every every schmuck in there, but. Uh, yeah, I suspect that part of the problem, Tom, is that um, <clears throat> is that there's a feeling that we must put players in every year. We must, and and actually, and there isn't. It, there isn't a feeling that football's <laughs> the one you have to. Hmm? Football's What's the that? one. Football's the one you actually have to put people in. Your baseball, you don't. Well, you don't. But I think. But but do we ever not put anybody in yeah, the Hall of Fame? There's been several years where nobody made it. <clears throat> I'll take your word for it. I'm not aware of any. I, I don't recall any, and that's for well, sure. Well, I mean, somebody might come from the veterans or something, but I mean, there's there's been plenty of years somebody the people that voted in. I won't say plenty, but I'll I'll look it up because I mean I, I actually did some research on this a while ago because I forgot half, but 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 I just you know <laughs> the thing you got. Well, but but what that means is if you have a guy who is uh, um, you know might be the best of this year's group, um, but isn't necessarily. Uh, um, 
the guy you'd want in the hall, you'd put in the Hall of Fame. Well, somebody's got to go, so we put him in there. So that that was my thinking on it. And if if you say that there's been years when we haven't elected guys, I'll I'll take your word for well, it. I, I just I, don't remember. By the way, I'm not, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to agree with you. On the flip side, on the mirror image, because there now that, now that I get this Quora thing, there's always some question once a week about Hall of Fame stuff, and I always read it. I've learned more from that than I ever friggin' knew. Uh, they'll talk about why why did it take like five years for this guy to get in? Well, they'll say, well, look, the first year he he was up against, you know, Frank Robinson or something. The second year he was up against, and they only they, they only want to vote. Some guys will only vote for two person two people a year or whatever. So he had to wait like ten years because he. He just happened to be with a class that was really good. I mean, I think and and I'll agree with you there too. Yeah, yeah there there shouldn't be a, a we we shouldn't have this mentally you know this uh, self imposed limit on it. Even though the rules don't say there's a limit. Well, I mean the, the people who do the voting take the, the stuff you know very. I mean out of the, the first were the first five people. Uh, crap, I went through it the other night. It was Babe Ruth, uh, Honus Wagner, Ty Cobb, uh, Christy Matheson. Who was the other pitcher? Uh, there was another pitcher, mm. Walter Johnson. I, I think like four of those guys weren't unanimous. I mean, for God's sake. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think of some of the guys. Tony Gwynn wasn't unanimous. Yeah. You know, you're kidding me. Yeah. But hardly anybody's ever been right. unanimous. Yeah. You know, which is, which, which I think is weird, too. I mean, Willie Mays wasn't unanimous. I mean, really? I mean, <laughs> arguably, you know, the, the best 5 tool player in history of the game. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, what got me on this, on this shtick, uh, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't. I don't dislike any of these people, but the 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 A Rod, Jeter, Poppy thing for like six innings yesterday got to me. I was over that. I mean, I really. I listen to these guys for sitting there eating popcorn for for like five. We can't do better than that. The other announcers had nothing to say. But I don't know if you caught that part. I mean, I mean Poppy is the first time you got a free bowl of popcorn or what? <laughs> the guy was going through it like he was a, like a mouse. I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I don't. I mean. Yes, those guys are they're, they're good ball players, and they're wherever. Do we have to get the, the the three black guys from the East Coast for five innings? I mean, what are the chances of anybody else from any other team getting on getting in that spot? I mean, none, right? Just well, say. that's probably true, um, and and it probably would be more interesting to get guys who have been off the radar for a little while and yeah. catch up with them. Yeah, I mean, I what are the, what are the chances of you know? Some guy from Kansas City who was a star on there. However, I will say this, without mentioning names, it was a good night for me last night. Good for you. One what, of my, what'd you do? No, Got lucky? No. no. One, of, <laughs> one of my, uh, let's not get ridiculous, one of my one of my clients threw out the first pitch. Oh, sweet. Tell me more. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, Edgar. Yeah, Edgar. Edgar. Yeah. He looked good for himself. I never met him. I, I talked to him all the time, but I never met him. Real nice guy. I mean, he was... He won it. He and uh, who was uh, that was one hell of a team, boy. Him and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, A. Rod were all on the same team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Edgar's not in the Hall of Fame, is he? Oh yeah. Is he? Oh yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, because like, I was gonna say he should be. He was like the first or second uh, DH. Okay. Yeah. One of, one of the all-time great hitters, and he was a decent third baseman yeah. for a long time too. Yeah. He he DH what the last five six years at least. Yeah. Um. You you could arguably say. Uh, the two best ever were him and Frank Thomas. Well, and and I, I would say in both cases, actually, they're they're absolutely the kinds of hitters that I would want to be. Oh yeah. You know, use the whole field. Don't swing a lot of crap. 
hit for power, hit for enough power, hit a lot of doubles as well as a, as well as a, a pretty good chunk of a uh, number of home runs, and uh, but but really um, disciplined, smart, um, good situational hitters, uh, and and yet they have all the power in the world, and but they they didn't feel compelled to uh, swing for the downs every Plus time. Plus, a serious team guy and a serious nice guy. You know, I mean, it helps other people even now. I mean, he's not an official coach, but you know what's weird? What he told me is that he. Go, I said, hey, you know, if, if you're going to a park I haven't been to, um, just let me know. I'll meet you there. You know, I, I never. I guess I never met him because I've talked to him all the time. And he, he goes, I can't go. And I go, what do you mean? He, he says, I, he goes, we can't sit together out in the field. He goes, I'm I'm, uh, I'm associated with the ball club. This must have something to do with the Houston cheating thing. He said, if I go to a game. I can I can like sit in the owner's box, or maybe in the dugout because I can't be in the field because they'll they'll count me as like as a scout or something. It's, oh, okay. It's some kind of really weird. He goes, we just can't go you and me, and, and nobody recognizes us. Go sit out in left field and talk about you know the market and baseball. We can't we, we can't do that. Which is I I don't know I don't know really I don't know what that's all about. I mean I don't know, I don't really know the rule, but uh, I don't know what that's all about. What are we? I'm going to still. They, they don't have staff size limits, do they? I like, you know, like I a, don't know. College, you know, college sports. Have. I think. But I think if you're affiliated at all, you can't be out there somewhere without being in the scout seats or without being in the owners' backs or without it, checking in. Basically, yeah, without, without doing something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the full deal. And, I mean, I, I never asked him what his actual status is. I know he goes down to spring training and helps out for a couple of weeks. And and, and at the park there, but it would be okay for him to take you to the owners' box then. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, I did. I did. Well, I'm we, not can, so we sure. can we can make that work. But I'm not I'm not so sure he's invited to the visitors' owners' box every night. You know, I mean, it's the visitors' one he'd be going to. I mean, if we like, if he comes to Sachs Park, I don't I don't think I'd I'd necessarily be in Reinsdorf's box with him. Maybe. Nor would I necessarily want to be. You, you, you ever been in his box? I have. Reinsdorf's? Yeah. No, I have not. He's got like a. This is the weirdest thing. He's got like a double box. Which you know, I, I guess I, I can get right behind home plate. But in the middle of the box, there's like a there's like a, a private room. It looks like a producer's booth, like for a radio show, and it's it's glassed off. And he can go in there and watch the game without talking to anybody. <laughs> which, which probably means he can go in there without having to take grief from people. <laughs> well, well, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure that's part of the deal. Uh, what what do you what do you make about this Northwestern stuff? Good lord, I, uh, well, I don't. Know. It, First of all, the the hazing thing is is just god awful. I mean, the, the you know the things that they were making them do really amount to sexual assault. And, uh, a, uh, before we go into that, I, I got a, I got a question for you. I was I was actually one of my buddies right home last night after a decent workout. Imagine that, uh, and he went to a place. I think he went to Lake Forest where they was all fraternities. Oh, and, yeah, I got recruited to go there. And uh, well, he, but he, you know, was talking about all the different frats and. Uh, Every year, you know, guys want to do a little bit more to those guys than they did like the guys before them. And and I said, you know, the guy's name's Jimmy. He's been on the show, Jimmy Lawler, good guy. And I said, Jimmy, you know, I I have no idea. I mean, it, it, in, in Notre Dame, for people who don't know, I don't. Long before our time, I think Kevin either kicked out or never allowed on the uh, fraternities. So because you and I never saw one, and right. I and I out of my total collective memory. I have no idea what this hazing stuff is all about. I mean, if we if we had a, 
you know, a freshman came into the place we were all watching TV. We, we might make the guy go down to food sales for everybody, but that was about it. I mean, the idea of, of dragging a guy out in a car, you know, throwing booze into him and, and leaving him in a cornfield in Indiana, we would we would never have thought of something like that. Why would you ever do that? Something I mean, or 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 lather up everybody and make a two uh, a two way line and and stand close together and make them go through because that's what they call the car wash. Yeah, you know, I just you know, all, God, I don't, what, I don't, you know, what are you doing there? I, I I just how did are we are we are we less guys because we didn't do this stuff or what? I I, I just have no idea what they're talking about because I never you know, the close yeah, you know I, now that you mention it, I do feel lesser like a lesser man. Yeah. The only thing, um, I, when I, we went, you didn't come with me. Who the hell went? Was it, was it Blade? A couple of guys, I think, were in town. We went up to Rush Week at Northwestern. There's all these fraternities in a row. And, and we made it, you know, we were just graduated, so we looked like we were still students. So we just went from fraternity to fraternity and watching this, all this ridiculousness where they're rushing everybody. Hey, Joe's going to join our fraternity. Yay. And six guys would pick Joe up and he'd run out the front door with him. And I'm going, what, what, what is all this about? I mean, good I don't know. I'm not saying there's anything wrong it's, with it. It's, it's a it's, different culture from what yeah. you and I experienced. Because I, I don't even have an idea what they're talking about. I mean, I don't think I don't think got to put up with it. I would not have joined one. Well, Brendan was saying yesterday he he saw wherever he went. He, where, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, where I should remember where he went. Uh, he, you know, he uh, said he just wanted no part. I was of talking it. about Loyola, if yeah. I remember. Yeah, he said I want no part of it. I just because uh, I could see don't, I mean, Brendan's name. They're not going to be Brendan out in the cornfield leaving there. I don't think. Uh, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't understand it, I guess is what I'm saying. And when I read this stuff, I'm just appalled, to be honest with you. Well, and, and I, I heard a really thoughtful um, interview yesterday. It was on WSCR, and it was a, uh, a former player whose name escapes me now. Uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon now, uh, but he went through some tough times. But he really hated his Northwestern experience. He was there when Randy Walker was still the coach and Fitzgerald was a uh, uh, a linebacker's coach. And he talked about, you know, a lot of that same stuff was going on. So they didn't call it the car wash. They called it the loofah line. But they did, you know, so that this is something that's been in the culture of Northwestern for decades, at least, and of Northwestern football. And um, and and he transferred out. He wound up going to Southern Illinois, Maybe played in the NFL better, for a while. Maybe that's why they're so lousy. Well, it, it could be, uh, you know. And you know, there, there's a lot of people who think they were pretty good for a while, and they've had their their seasons when they were pretty good. But if you're six and five, and uh, uh, you know, or, uh, or seven and five, and you win a bowl game, I don't consider that good. I just yeah. consider that you know marginal. Um, so you know, but but set the record aside, it's um, uh, you know it, it, it's something that's really baked into the culture. But the thoughtful things that were part of the interview is he said, you know, I didn't have the emotional maturity to process this, to understand what was happening, and to understand how it impacts uh, impacted me and others, um, and. Uh, um, you know, for some people, you know, it's just hazing. It's it's all it's all boys will be boys fun. So some people are never affected by it. It's never a big deal. But that's some people. That's not everybody. Um, and you know, some of this stuff could be traumatic, and yet you have to do it to fit in. Um, so uh, so it becomes part of it, and and there's a, a whole pathology that goes with it too, that says, well, I hate it when I'm an underclassman, but when I'm an upperclassman, it's my chance to get even with the world. And that's um, what Jimmy was saying. Every, it became progressive. Yeah. If they took one guy three miles out, then the next year it was three and a half miles out. It, it, 
that kind of thing. Yeah. So all all of this gets to be, uh, you know, it, it's it's just really bad culturally, and the idea that well, it was going on and it was on Pat Fitzgerald's watch, but we have no evidence that he knew it was happening. Oh, really? baloney! You know, he, went, he went baloney. to school. He went to school there. He, how, how could he not? know what was going on when he's been there 30 years for god's sake yeah so he, he went he went to school there he was a player there he um but in addition to that you know football coaches are little tyrants they, they know every damn thing that's going on in their program this is like brian kelly uh at notre dame um when, when he was at notre dame and and they got in trouble because um they had people on the uh um the manager and trainer staff, the students who were writing papers for some of the players and some, and, and, you know, yeah, of course he didn't know it was going on. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it was part of his program. But more to the point is when asked what kind of um, responsibility he had for the whole incident, um, it was zero zip nada. And then is how is it enabled? It's enabled by an athletic director who says, uh, who, who allows them to count and celebrate all the vacated wins and and and, and call him the uh, winningest coach in Notre Dame history as a result of that. Uh, even though when you get the penalty from the NCAA of vacated wins, you are admonished that you may not count them in any in any public way. So what do they what do they do? They put a little asterisk on everything in their uh, like on their website that talks about the, all, all of these wins. Only it's not an asterisk; it's a shamrock. So yeah. you know how how can you how can you muddle that uh, that little fact uh, any more than that? This is uh, an athletic director enabling um, his, his coach being a jackass, and um, and then uh, well, he lost me when the kid died. In the- on uh, the, the the crane in the in the wind. Well, that that was Kelly. Yeah. Um, they, for anybody who doesn't know, um, they had a, a student videographer. He was uh, filming um, practice, and uh, he was up in a scissor lift on an especially windy day. And I remember this very well um, uh, when it happened because I live here, and uh, and and so what what happens uh, what happened was. Uh, you know, he went up in the on a scissor lift outdoors on a uh, you know, and we're talking about fifty, sixty mile an hour wind yeah, gusts. Yeah, they, they had they had canceled, they had postponed practice or something for a while, didn't they? Because it was so windy, and then they let the kid go up anyway. Well, at story. any rate, and and I don't know if he was ordered to go up there or if he just thought it's my job. But none of the adults there, none of the coaches, none of the assistants, and the athletic director himself, who was there, nobody said what in the heck is going on there. Why is he up there? This is dangerous. Yeah. Now, I I walked out of work. I had to actually dodge a piece of roofing, you know, that co- kind of corrugated fiberglass uh, roofing, uh, a piece of that co- blowing across the parking lot from another building that was not right next door. <laughs> and, oh, God. and I had to dodge that. I got in the car. Um, in fact, um, uh, my daughter had come to pick me up from uh, from her work. And, uh, and, and we were driving home and 
and this comes on the radio that there's been an accident and before i knew anything about what happened other than uh, it turns out that a scissor lift was blown over and there is an injury we don't know any more than that and my first words out of my mouth were who the hell would go up in a scissor lift on a day like this yeah oh yeah <laughs> you know so and, and and so what happens is the athletic director makes a statement about it and he refers to the winds as unremarkable unremarkable <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. uh, the, it wasn't. It wasn't a particularly windy day. Oh, oh baloney! Yeah. It was a very windy day, and um, uh, but you know what, what? What's he doing? He's, you know, he's being a lawyer and trying to weasel word his way around any responsibility for this. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you have a lawyer. Remember the? Uh, I don't remember. You ever hear the story about uh, Bubba Smith when he went to the Colts? For those who don't remember, Bubba Smith was being hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing would have been a Hall of Famer. Uh, he was a spectacular player out of Michigan State. Uh, and he he shows up at the Colts, and the, the guy who was the running like the somewhat of the hazing, but it wasn't that much hazing, was the, they made guys uh, sing at dinner, the rookies. So remember Mike Curtis, their, their middle linebacker? Sure, yeah. Mike Curtis says, you know, it was, it was Bubba's turn. He goes, Bubba Smith, you got to get up and sing. So Bubba stands up, and he goes, Bubba don't sing and sits back down. And everybody goes, okay. Bubba don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba don't sing. And and people people might remember Bubba Smith from the Police Academy movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, six, very nine, very large, menacing looking man who also <laughs> happened to be uh, a an absolutely great football player and seemingly a pretty good guy. Yeah, pretty good guy too. I mean, he, Bubba don't sing and sit back down. And, like nobody was going to go make him sing. <laughs> that was out of the out of the question. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know. I, when this stuff starts to get rolling, it's it's real easy. I mean, Jimmy was saying last night that they they tape guys up and bring them out in a field somewhere. I mean, wh- wh- what are you doing? I don't, you know, I I don't know. It's just a, yeah. It, I mean, it's dangerous. You're putting people in danger as well as you know doing things that can be personally damaging to them. Um, when 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 we get back after break, and I know we have a few minutes to yeah. go before it, but I don't want to start into it just yet. We should do it when we get back. I'd like to step through this a little bit yeah. though, from the uh, the business communication, sort of the crisis communication standpoint, because I know we have a lot of listeners who could wind up in this situation, and uh, and I have a couple of examples from the past, and we'll even tie it into your conversation yesterday uh, about Tylenol, yeah, um, and, and that situation. Well, you know, I. It- I uh, kind of lead here. I don't know why I, I quote her because she was special and well, everybody's special. But uh, the uh, my, my my mom used to say, "You hire these people." And I guess I'm talking at the at the chairman of Northwestern. She says, "You hire these people. You pay them all this money. They get all this 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 uh, you know big boohoo when they come in, and they're really there." She says, "You don't need them." No, she goes, "Nobody needs the president every day to put out the groceries to do the stuff." They're there for the one day that something bad happens and somebody's got to make a decision that nobody else is capable of making. And you know what? All they do is screw up. <laughs> you wonder, yeah, how, okay. did they, how did they get that job? All of a sudden, you, the day you really need them for the one big decision they're supposed to make a year and they have no idea what they're doing, you wonder, what are they doing there? Why are they making that kind of, you know? Of course, my mom had a unusual, She when she, during the war, she worked for the Quartermaster Corps. Now, you know who those guys are, right, Kevin? Those are the people who get all the supplies for the Army and stuff. Mm-hmm. They were on Pershing Road and uh, 39th Street, right where the Board of Education finally had a place. It was this big, huge, three-block-long, you know, six-story warehouse kind of place. And uh, she goes, every Friday, all the generals would meet 
and I don't know that generals, but colonels, all the big shots, would meet in the corner room, and there would be a big sign, Do Not Disturb. And the idea was this was where all the planning took place. Right? So she goes, one Friday they hired some girl. She goes, she was dumber than a rack. She goes in and she just walks right in and opens the door, even though it says Do Not Disturb. There's a big poker game going on. <laughs> <laughs> Every Friday, a big poker game. But anyway, she goes, you know, I, I lost a lot of respect for, for the guys up top. To, I mean, you know, what, what, do you, what can I tell you? You know, life experiences uh, do tend to change somebody's outlook on things. Anyway, SP Futures up 11.50 now. NASDAQ Futures up 48. We're going to the moon again this week. We'll see, I think uh, people seem to know that his numbers today aren't so, aren't, aren't so bad. So we will see where they are. Uh, matter of fact, if you look at how the d- difference in the, the British pound versus uh, the U.S. dollar, the U.K. is pretty pretty straightforward in their inflation numbers. Uh, we're not very straightforward here, I don't think, but I say that every day. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Hello, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Greg Pampas on the board. SP Peters up 12 now, and SP Peters up 48. Just a steady move up since about noon yesterday. Now up 52 individual stacks in the down. Nothing remarkable. Just everybody's kind of up a little bit. Microsoft's up a buck 85. I mean, as they seem to have won their case, uh, gee, they should even get bigger. I think Microsoft needs to be like double their size. They should be the only comp- company left. What does everybody think about that? Uh, the world's greatest monopolist. Unreal. Uh, Nikkei down 259.8%. Hang Seng up 201, 1%. Wow, 18,890. But 
they were down so much a couple weeks ago, they're still not back to 19,000. Shanghai down 25.8%. So Hang Seng is the outlier to the upside, uh, which is somewhat unusual. We're in Europe. DAX up 139.9%, FTSE up 88.1.2%, CAC around up 54.7%. So big, big, uh, uh, everybody seems to think they know this inflation data. We'll see if they do or not. Uh, uh, yesterday, Dow was up 317, S&P up 29, NASDAQ up 75. So, uh, uh, NASDAQ was a little bit of the laggard yesterday, actually, but because uh, the S&P and the Dow are pretty strong. Uh, and the Russell is real is real strong. We're starting to flip from the the, uh, the uh, Russell's going up faster than the Q's now, which is he hasn't been that way for a while. Ten year down three basis points, three point nine five, so back under four percent. The bond down three basis points, two six one. Japan up three to point four eight, right nearing the fifty point uh, point five top of the range. We'll see how that goes. Oil uh, up eighteen cents, seventy five oh one. First time over seventy five in quite a while, so might be breaking out of this range. If not, it's at the very top of the range. Run up seven cents, seventy nine forty seven. Natural gas down three cents, two sixty nine. Our bob unchanged, two sixty two. Gold two forty nineteen thirty nine is uh, trying to make an assault at nineteen fifty. Here we'll see how that works. Uh, silver up six cents, twenty three thirty four. So back over thirty three. Under I'm um, twenty three. Uh, under twenty three, silver's been a buy. Uh, every time it gets there, you get nervous and don't buy it. But it's bounced off of that number for quite a, quite a while now. So copper up a penny, three seventy eight. Uh, we've got Bitcoin is up 174, 30,730. And the U.S. dollar today somewhat muted. It's down a little bit against the, uh, the euro, and it's up against the, the pound. So the euro is 110, which we haven't seen in a bit, and the pound's 129. So the dollar has been coming down here over the last couple of weeks, gradually, but it's down, you know, somewhat. Uh, Greg, what do you have for us, Travis Weather Sports? It looks like it's raining. Yeah, a little bit. Morning, everyone. 6.36 a.m., 76 degrees here in Chicago, mostly cloudy. Lots of thunderstorms, um, possible flash flooding, so be careful with the flooding and wind gusts for today in Chicago. Phoenix, 112 degrees real feel. Yeah. Uh, mostly sunny and hot. It's dangerous outside, so that sun is not going away. Inbound Kennedy O'Hare to the interchange is 34 minutes. Inbound Edens Dempster to the interchange is 27 Inbound Ike Wolf to the interchange is 29. That's about all the bad traffic. Everything else looks normal. Um, National League beat American League yesterday, three to two, as you already, you guys already said. Um, in tennis, Yannick Sinner beat Roman Safulin, and Andre Rublev lost lost to Novak Djokovic in the men's. In the quarterfinal women's singles of the U.S. Open. There was an upset. Iga Swiatek lost to Elena Svitolina, and that was a number one seed went Did down. Any American ladies doing any good in tennis anymore? Um, Jessica Pegula lost to uh, Czech Republic's Markita Vondrasova, so that makes she was a four seed. She was from the U.S. and both her and her uh, doubles team lost also, so they're out. So coming out. up, yeah, they're out. So we've got uh, more matches today, and those, let's see, are Medvedev and Eubanks are playing each other tonight in the quarters, and Eubanks is, is a, I think this is his first quarter ever, so he's 27 in his first quarter ever, he runs into Medvedev, who's the third seed, which is going to be hard, and Alcarez plays uh, Holger Rune, um, and women, Madison Keys is an American, and she's in the quarters, so she's playing... Sabalenka and um, 
Yeah, that's that's all I got. The girls for... seem to be better at, at soccer than they are at uh, tennis. Oh, Jabber. I don't know how to say that. Ans Jabber and Alina Rybakina. They're playing. So that's what we got in tennis. And as you guys mentioned, Pat Fitzgerald got fired, and he's thinking about suing the university. Um, well, he's probably owed a bunch of dough. So, yeah, he's got... Forty million left on a ten-year contract. And are they saying that he's out without a dime? They haven't. They haven't announced that yet. And so I'd imagine Northwestern will say that to his lawyer pretty soon. So I'm going to bet. Uh, I'll take eighteen on the settlement. Yeah. Maybe. Kevin, where are you on the settlement? Eighteen? Sixteen? Uh, yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, whatever half of it is is probably what he'll wind up getting. It's 18 rule. I mean, less look, he's, he's getting fired for cause, but that's not what they said, and we'll we'll talk about their statements in a minute. Um, so, uh, but but he's he's being fired for cause, and so generally, when you fire somebody for cause, unless the contract is specifically speaks to uh, other arrangements, um, you, you know, they don't owe you anything. Um, and and most of them are going to say something along those lines that uh, if you're fired for cause, uh, you you uh, you know we don't owe you anything. Um, now you you wind up litigating whether that's legitimately fired for cause or not, um, and that could be. But it, there it, it is very it would be very unusual for a contract to be written that says not only are you um, are you our employee, uh, but you are the head football coach for as long as you're under this contract and uh, and 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 we cannot remove you from that job that would be strange and unusual so i don't know what he's suing for at this point unless they have told him you're not getting a dime um, already well i mean um, I, because I, there's nothing there's there's no other other reason for him to sue um, unless there is some kind of bizarro wording in his contract that says you have to keep him not only on the payroll, but you have to keep him in the job, and um, and otherwise list circumstances as to why you wouldn't have to I, do that. I, I could tell you why I would be suing if I was him. Uh, the first statement, and this I don't. One of my, uh, one of, uh, well, Greg and I, one of our acquaintances, who's been on the show, an attorney. He goes. It looks like again. It's I, you know, I'm not, not like I'm part of the investigation, but it looks like they didn't inter- interview him or any of the coaches. So, whoever did the investigation was some lady, uh, well, some group. Well, they they hired an outside firm to do it, and somehow or another, they they came up with the stuff and the conclusion that was re- allegedly came to in the in the study was that he probably should have had knowledge, but they couldn't pin him that he actually did. Or something along those lines, so he got the two weeks suspension without pay and a slap on the pinky. Uh, then all of a sudden, when the Twitter world heats up, he uh, he's all of a sudden fired. Did they ever even talk to him? May uh, yeah, and that that's a good question. The other thing, it wasn't just the Twitter world heat, heating up. It was that on Friday they announced his two week suspension. On Saturday, the student newspaper, the Daily Northwestern published a long series you know a long long uh, article about the whole situation so much for confidential uh, that that was that was way more damning uh, than ever before yeah and, and this you know obviously everybody has an opinion and and you and I uh, you know we do a talk show and we're you know, a lot of the stuff we talk about is just we try and instill some common sense and for me 
It's, I mean, I, I do it because I, I learn from the other people on the show, and I find it exhilarating. So I, I assume, or I hope, that the listeners do the same. But the, uh, I don't, all of a sudden yesterday, I was reading last night, while I was listening to the All-Star Game board, that uh, all of a sudden, no, I got six faculty members, some lady who's in anthropology and some guys in chemistry are writing letters that they think they should stop construction of the stadium until this all... Kevin, why can't they... That's not... The, what, what, what are they doing? I mean, well, what does one have to do with the other? I mean, unless you're going to ban, you're going to bag football together, which is possible. Right, you either you either do have it or you don't have it. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, why all of a sudden do they do they think they should publish letters? They're not management. They're a teacher. I mean, I, you know, it's, at some point in this Twitter world, is, does everybody get to tell everybody else what to do? That's not their job. We're stick to anthropology. I mean, uh, it's not that you don't have an opinion, but uh, we think you should, you know, stop looking out contracts for the stadium. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, what, what does one have to do with the other? I don't, I don't, unless, and I, I'm on record as saying, I think at the end of the day, with all the NIL and all the other stuff, the Northwestern will end up bagging football. And they'll be the, they'll be the first of many as this expands into this professional never-never world that we're heading into without knowing where we're going. I'm not so sure that 10 years from now the Irish aren't there either. Or people well, say, I, I wouldn't be surprised, however. It, I, I tell you what, with the Irish and, and NIL, watch what happens with Sam Hartman this year. And if he makes a fortune because he's a successful quarterback at Notre Dame, then they're on their way because they should be able to get all the quarterbacks at that point. But uh, but I digress. Um, the... the uh, uh, the the thing with Northwestern is they are in position, you know, much like USC is uh, and UCLA. They are in possession to be or in in position being in a city. It's not easy being in a pro sports city and having college sports. But by the same token, the opportunities that you have for uh, for all of your athletes, um, you know, promotional opportunities are substantial. Yeah, except. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the people at Northwestern don't want to be bothered running around making sure their quarterback get pays, gets paid enough. I understand that. It's like the University of Chicago. I mean, I, mean, I had three guys last night tell me, "All right, the money—you can't believe the money they get from the football." You know what? The University of Chicago does fine without football. Just saying, whatever. Uh, right, but you could have argued up until this last week that Pat Fitzgerald was the most powerful man at uh, uh, at Northwestern because the president was new and the uh, athletic director or new? Um, well, it, uh, is and, and and he's been there forever, and uh, and he's running their uh, uh, program that does make them money, regardless, because the Big Ten being in the Big Ten makes them a lot of money. As uh, as uh, my buddy Beldo, my older name buddy, he's older than us. Uh, his brother was a quarterback. Beldo was just a sports fanatic. Uh, his brother has, has a national championship ring and a Super Bowl ring. He uh, was on a 66 team, and he played behind uh, Roger Staubach on the Cowboys. Anyway, he uh, I mentioned to Beldo one day at the club, Hey, Dick, you know, I just read that in, in uh, something like 45 of the states, the highest-paid public employee in the state is either the football coach or the basketball coach. He looks at me right now, and he goes, Tommy, who would want to live in any of those other five states? <laughs> I, you know, I, no, Bella, you mean you wouldn't want to live where maybe the chief of surgery at the university hospitals made more than a football coach? No, I wouldn't want to live there. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, then. 
There's not a whole lot of argument to that, Kevin. Just, well, I mean, part part two of this is some states. <laughs> I wouldn't want to pay the football coach that money, that much money, given their success. You know, New Jersey, <laughs> the Rutgers football coach should be the highest paid uh, uh, person in the state. They suck. Yeah. Well, the. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, so is it, it, by the way, is it, it true? It, to, put yourself. Let, yeah, let's let's yeah. let's talk about the communication side of this because we don't. We only have about fifteen minutes. If if you are Michael Schill, the uh, president of Northwestern, who do you have to talk to? Who you know? We, you, you have to deliver a message, and the message has to speak to. Let's let's list the con- constituencies. Well, I mean, at what era? We're talking right now. He's, we've got a situation here. Well, I'm, I'm going to say and, if it was Shill has to has to put out some public statements. Um, so, I'm going to say if, if it was Ted Hesburgh, he'd pull the coach in and he'd say, "Look at this disgusting thing. Is this remotely true?" Well, yeah, it's true, Father. Did you know about it? Well, I sort of. What are you doing? Get the hell out of here. That 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 would be my world. Okay, I, I understand that. But now you say get the hell out of here. Now you have to make a public statement. Okay, all this stuff. Who are you speaking to? Who do you have to address with the public statement? Uh, Well, you have to address. There's a list of people here. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have to make your determination. That how could this possibly happen? And you, but but how did the idea that those two guys never talked? I I don't. This idea of delegating everything to everybody. Yeah, it's. I don't know. When I was at the CBO, they had lawyers on staff, and all they ever did was hire a law firm to do something. What's that job? What do you do? This, de- this world of delegation is not my world, Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I understand. And and to a certain extent, you may have to bring in people to do fact-finding. I'm, right. not, I, I'm, I'm not getting down on that. What I am asking, though, is, well, let me see. I have to, I have to speak to the general public. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so that's part of it. Um, but I have to speak to Northwestern University students. I have to speak to the players and coaches. And I probably have to have message for alumni and other, quote, friends of the university, anybody who is in any way affiliated with it. So you have to you have to make a statement and you have to and it has to be a statement that is going to not only speak to what happened, but is going to give confidence that we're going to do better. And. Let me give you a different example just real quickly. Um, if you remember in 2017 when um, when the, uh, uh, they, the United Airlines dragged a, a guy off the flight, uh, flight? Oh, yeah, that was a fiasco. Yeah, yeah. So what happens here? Uh, Oscar Munoz, who was the CEO uh, at the time, issues a, a, a statement. Um, and... Uh, and he says, this is an upsetting event to all of us here at United. I apologize for having to reaccommodate these customers. Our team is moving with a sense of urgency to work with authorities and conduct our own detailed review of what happened. We are also reaching out to the passenger to talk directly to him. Um, and uh, and then uh, um, 
you know, part two of that is that one of their spokesmen did a radio interview, and he said, we had asked several times, politely, for the man to give up his seat before force was used. We had a number, uh, we had a customer who refused to leave the aircraft. We have a number of customers on board the aircraft, and they want to get to their destination on time and safely, and we want to work to get them there. Since that customer refused to leave the aircraft, we had to call the police, and they came on board. Now, this is their day one communications between Munoz and uh, Charlie Hobart, uh, from who is one of their uh, uh, people, you know, one of the executives at, uh, and, and spokespeople for United. What's wrong with those statements? I don't think they were true, are they? Well, you know, they, yeah, he, he did refuse to leave. Um, you know, they had uh, customers on board the aircraft who wanted to get to their destination. Do you not think that this person wanted it too? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so that's it. But this is upsetting to all of us. Uh, you know, no, it ain't about you. It's a, you yeah. know, is there anything in here uh, that uh, is is apologetic? Um, is there we and, and then we had to reaccommodate these customers. Reaccommodate is just weasel words. Oh yeah, it's just weasel words. Um, so we get that. And, By the way, uh, these football players all in like one or two fraternities was that, is that part of this? They they probably are. Yeah. So okay. so anyway, they 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 go on and um, you know uh, there there's additional there's the email to the employees um, and uh, um, and and so, some similarly uh, weaselly things. Uh, in, in there, as if you think an email to all employees isn't going to get out. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Here's the day two communication that says the truly horrific event that occurred on this flight has elicited many responses from all of us: outrage, anger, disappointment. I share all of those sentiments, and one above all, my deepest apologies for what happened. Like you, I continue to be disturbed by what happened on this flight, and I deeply apologize to the customer forcibly forcibly removed and to all the customers on board. No one should ever be mistreated this way. I want you to know that we take full responsibility and we will work to make it right. It's never too late to do the right thing. I have committed to our customers and employees that we are going to fix what's broken so this never happens again. This will include a thorough review of crew movement, our policies for incentivizing volunteers in these situations, how we handle oversold situations, and an examination of how we partner with airport authorities and local enforcement. Um, we'll communicate the results of our review by April 30th. I promise you we will do better. Now, I consider that to be damn near perfect. Yeah. Okay. The problem is they had all the bad statements before that, and they were getting skewered for every last one of them. And when they finally got their act together, they had the per pitch perfect statement and made it too late. Yep. Well, you <laughs> so, know, you bring, also, Kevin, you bring, I, you know, I don't really, I don't remember, I remember the thing happening. But some point, someday, somewhere, there's going to be somebody on a plane that's either too drunk to fly or too something, something. And they're not going to want to leave, and and taking them off is not going to look good, no matter what. With everybody with their, I mean, I don't. How do you? It's like it's like an arrest now. There's no understood, such thing. but and and if they if if the story is drunk, abrasive passenger gets hauled off an air, airline, that's not going to be the same as right. yeah. we need to kick somebody off so that we can fl uh, get some of our flight crew people to to Louisville. 
so we get some pilots and flight attendants to Louisville. So right. we're kicking off paying passengers. And then when he doesn't want to go, we're going to drag him off. That's different. Oh, it's a lot different. Oh, yeah. And and so uh, so you know I I I. I yeah, it's it, it's interesting that this could come up again quite easily, but it could come up in different circumstances. What I'm getting at is the preparation required to respond to these crises that crop up is substantial. And it has to be something that is, it, it becomes part of how the team communicates at all times. It has to become instinctive for them. It requires training and it requires a real mindfulness of what principles are at stake here um, and, and what principles always apply to what you do. Um, you know, the, it, it has to be. So if you're looking at, at the United situation, yeah, I, you know, what's going on here? Well, first of all, if you have employees doing this, they're afraid to say you know to to not follow the rules so to speak to use judgment that's not good that's not indicative of good management but aside from that um it you you know did was there early on was there an expression of concern for the uh, passenger no not really was there a uh, an expression of concern for the employees who got stuck in the middle of this situation no not really so as you start going through all of this you say you know if, if these are really our uh, core principles in in our the way we run our business then that's going to come out in the day one statement you're going to be ready to make that statement you fast forward to northwestern and uh um you know first of all if you look at uh, the president michael shill he's you know he's been uh, uh president uh, i think it was university of oregon he's been a law school dean you know this guy is not uh, a babe in the woods and uh, and yet um as you look at some of these statements uh, oh I'll skip forward because we just don't have that much time. I'll, uh, you know, I'll talk to you about the uh, um, the final statement when he fired him. So this afternoon, I informed head football coach Pat Fitzgerald that he was being relieved of his duties effective immediately. The decision comes after a difficult and complex evaluation of my original discipline decision imposed last week on Coach Fitzgerald for his failure to know and prevent significant hazing in the uh, football program. So first of all, he's walking into the, we, you asked about the lawsuit, he's walking into the lawsuit right there. His failure to know. Yeah. Well, if he didn't know, then you're giving grounds at least for someone to get a suit heard whether you whether he's going to prevail or not is another issue then over the last 72 hours i have spent a great deal of time and thought and in discussions with people who love our university and he goes on to list a bunch of people including coach Fitzgerald himself which is on his list so he did, apparently they did talk i've also received many phone calls text messages this is not about you man yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. this is not about your process um we don't have to know what you're you know uh, what that was about because it is about the people who were abused. Yes. Well, yeah. They don't care about those guys. Yeah. So this. Is, so that's not coming through. Terrible statement at this point. Um, and he says, while the inve independent investigation investigative report will remain confidential, it is important for our community to know the facts. Um, and then he starts listing all the facts that are in the confidential report that he's going to keep confidential. Yeah, it's, it's um, unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I, and, and it goes on and on like this. And it's just an, a god-awful, lengthy statement. No, you come in, 
you get to the point you you make your points real quickly you address your specific constituencies as best you can maybe you save for the people the for the athletes and for the uh, coaching staff maybe you save that for private and you just mention in your public statement that you're meeting in private with everybody else because they all have you, you have to communicate with them but this is just this is a, a nightmare. The public relations side of this and the execution of this is just awful. Well, then um, also, if you look at the the leadership side of it, which is what I kind of look at, well, I mean, you do too, it, is obviously the guy's been there, or however long he's been there, somewhere along the line, he has not conveyed from top to bottom what his morals are in doing business in the university. So the people who were doing this obviously didn't know that god if this guy finds out about this we're toast I mean, I mean, yeah it's 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 the the pillars i call it it's vision context trust so what's your vision what what is your vision what are we what are we trying to become what's our future state um it may be what we are now but it's it, it's you know what what are we trying to be this guy's only been there since last fall well so he's getting close to a year though yeah. his, his agenda should be clear um and the context part is then that everything you do all of your initiatives um all of your decisions are made with that vision in mind and you express it because in in the management world you know to most employees management decision making looks like um a random series of unrelated events <laughs> and it I shouldn't will, be I will, I now will. sometimes it is and that's called bad management but sometimes it is not but people just don't communicate it and then the trust part of it is exactly what it sounds like it is you know are you ethical uh do you do what you say you're going to do do you know um do, uh do do you care about the people and there's i can get through you know a whole lot more principles about you know what what servant leadership and what's intentional and how team building works and all of that kind of stuff but these three things are the are the important part oh, oh. and there is no evidence of them there is no evidence in this statement of what his vision for northwestern university is and why he's making this decision because this decision to fire pat fitzgerald and to move on and to it's, it's, reshape the football program is supposed to be be it's reactive done to further the vision. It's reactive. It's not proactive. Yeah, it's it's just god well, Also, I would bet uh, I bet you a beer over at Greg's place uh, that somewhere in the last year there's been another hazing incident someplace that has come across his desk, and he didn't say, "Look, this is going to stop on my watch. Use your head." Or, or it came across somebody's desk. Yeah. And remember, this they commissioned this uh, uh, review in, in November. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I it either took a really, really long time to do it, or that review has been sitting on somebody's desk for a while, and I don't know if they got wind of the... Uh, uh, the Daily Northwestern about to you know about to publish, but again, I don't think this is going to be local. This isn't localized to Indiana, or excuse me, Indiana. I was, I'm thinking Russell coming on next. Uh, this isn't localized to uh, uh, Northwestern. This has got to be going on elsewhere. I, it's somehow um, I, I hope and and, and, and I, I I think it would be surprising where elsewhere is in many cases. I think there's a lot of uh, coaching abuse, or has been in, in history. There's a lot of coaching abuse to the freshmen that uh, they show up over the summer and they didn't grow and they really don't want those guys where they don't think they're ever going to play and they want them to quit. 
that's that's been around forever. Bob Devaney and Daryl Royal and those guys. That, well, they and, were and that may of, be, yeah. and that may be, and that's a, a slightly different issue. Right. But this this hazing stuff, this idea that it is a part of tem, uh, team building, is just it's it's wrong, um, and it's stupid, and it's unethical. I, I would agree. SP futures up twelve. Nasdaq futures up fifty three. We don't have any sports to talk about on Friday either, for God's sake, except tennis. There's not been no baseball to Friday night. Um, I think that's I think that's the case, but that's okay. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll cope. We'll find something else to talk about. Tonight's like the what? It's tonight's like the light. It's like the night after Super Bowl. Like nothing else. Yeah, probably the only thing on is WNBA. Oh, <laughs> you know, that would be my guess. Is they'll they'll take they'll seize the moment to get the, to get the WNBA on uh, on on some of the uh, significant networks. I'd rather watch that than listen watch Poppy Poppy eat popcorn. It's Man, like, we get all our fighting Irish girls who are. Populating the WNBA and well, uh, uh, and and, uh, and including the All Star teams and the um, U.S. national team. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, so we're heading off to break. We'll be right back, with Professor Russell Rose. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm Tomorrow, Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures up 11.50. Nasdaq futures up 49. We're all going to get rich. Boy, good thing. The good thing we have a professor. I'm here. All right, buddy. The good thing is, uh, boy, my uh, my my people are making money every day, so I can't. I shouldn't be uh, bashing this rally no. because it's been very good, but. Uh, I just have a, um, I don't know if you were had a, had a chance to hear uh, talking to Hal yesterday, was down to be on last week because of the holiday, but um, we're just, we're talking about uh, kind of <laughs> some weird economic stuff because one of the dudes who's on uh, CNBC yesterday came out with this huge thing about how he's tired of uh-huh. hearing, about, he's tired of hearing about people like me who uh, say there's some correlation between the Fed's activities and the market and how... So he put a chart over, how, and all he did was talk about how the Fed is decreasing the balance sheet. And, of course, he totally forgot about the spike, uh, the, the Silicon Valley spike. And he yeah. and he goes, and I don't want to hear people telling me about lag times and blah, 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 which, of course, there's always a lag time. Uh, and it's, 
Of course, he totally forgot the part where the market went up 40% when the guys increased the balance sheet by 40%. Without, he said, there's no, it's nothing causal here one way or the other. And I'm going, but what, we, what I talked to Hal about was more about the, the real estate stuff. And uh, uh-huh. now if, if you were going to give a class, I would say, um, if you were to say, students, here we have a, you know, a house that's worth 200000 and the interest rates are 4 and all of a sudden tomorrow the interest rates are 8 what's the house worth? I would say every one of your guys is going to say, you know, I don't know, 120 140, somewhere in there. It's not going to be half, but it's going to be. And yet, except for a few spots where things are really pricey, like maybe San Francisco or someplace, that sort of hasn't happened yet. Russell and it and it yet the the numbers are, are right there. I mean it, it, I mean how how could it not happen but it hasn't. You know and Audrey and Nancy have both been on talking about how it's some combination of not many houses being built during covid so there's somewhat of a shortage. Uh-huh. Uh people not leaving their house because they can't go anywhere if they've got a what did Nancy say 92% of all mortgages are under 4% that people refinance or some number and there's just this I mean, when, when you give a test, if you're if you're a Milton Friedmanite, you're going to say, all things being equal, what happens here? Well, it appears stuff isn't exactly equal. Now, does that mean there's just some big delay in one day? It's all going to happen in one day, or it's never going to happen? Or how do you fight the numbers that it appears that housing prices and, and mortgage rates have totally outstripped people's incomes? Uh, inc- I mean, it, yet it, it isn't happening. The market isn't going down. The house housing prices aren't going down. How, how how does it seem to be bucking for quite some time what you and I might consider basic economics? Well, it's so few people are, are it's so few people are willing or even able um, to make a lateral move house wise. So it's just not even a choice that a lot of people are making. So you, don't, you know, the the supply is fairly tight on the houses. And the the prices, if anything, um, I saw a graphic the other day where uh, housing prices are actually under pressure in some of the hotter markets. That it's exact. That, the hotter market, that it, hotter markets. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, you said San Francisco. That's only. I bet. Like I, I noticed that Austin and Nashville were yeah and i guess maybe they were still experiencing building booms or, or you know there there's extra supply coming on in those areas because they were such hot markets beforehand and i guess and i think they were hot markets during covid as well cuz i know a couple of people that you know that, that are kind of independent and do what you and i do uh me what i do on my consulting part uh and can do it from anywhere and i know a couple that moved to austin i know one that moved to nashville from Chicago, you know, and that's uh, and th- th- there are lots of people that that are still continuing to move to those spots. We're we're moving to those spots, so maybe there was slight oversupply in those places, but um, you know, there the prices are, you know, like anything else, supply demand oriented. The prices are a function of both sides of that, and the supply is kind of tight, but there's nobody that's. I mean, who who's out there that that would possibly be a first-time home buyer? You know, that that's not making the lateral move from that's moving from renting to buying a house. Um, Audrey, um, Audrey has that, a few of those. That, they, they, they on the lower but, end, you still get you know, some people. 
Yeah, the thing is, I feel like there was a, a disconnect on those type of people because they just went ahead and moved to the burbs uh, during COVID instead of just being locked in an apartment. Yeah, uh, yeah, but she she still has. You know, I, I, it's yeah, almost I, I, it's I, almost I, inevitably uh, the younger couples, thirty ish, thirty two ish. Yeah. They maybe even have lived with their parents since they got married. Have saved up a bunch of dough. They both have. Uh, they both have jobs. They don't entertain a lot. They're saving money for a house. They want to have a baby. Um, it's it's a very focused group, and they might get some money from their parents, and they're piling in at the three hundred thousand dollar level, three and a quarter. That's 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 the entry level group. And a lot of nurses, uh, a lot of guys that uh, might have even when one guy had a, he was a uh, auto body guy, and his wife's a nurse, and they've been saving, and they're making money these days because I mean you could do that in those. And uh, they, you know, they've got the sixty grand to put down, and they're, and they're going to put it down. They're going to yeah. get in there, and I'm going to guess that the the movie theaters and the pizza I means you you and I know, I think Russell that at the end of the day, um, actually though I did want to ask you a, an interesting question. Uh, at the end of the day, your money only goes so far, right? And, it, and if, yeah. if you're going to put sixty percent of your cash in the house uh, instead of fifty, the other ten. You're either going to put it on a credit card, which I hope you're not going to, or you're, you're, the, 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 the two nights out a week is going to go to one or something. Yeah. Or, or the, uh, the new car that the, that the wife needs to get to work because the other one's falling apart is going to be a used car and not a new one or, or something. I mean, you just, yeah. they're, they're, the idea that you, know, you get some, and I'll use the term buffoon, on TV that the consumer always finds a way. To do what? Steal? <laughs> you know, we're we're not talking about that, right? I mean, well, the, con- the consumer can also live under a bridge. Yeah, I mean, uh, but you I'm know, saying, you know, but it's somewhere somewhere along the line, this has to sort of match up. But uh, I'm 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 kind of stunned. I, I don't know why the hell. What possessed me to do this, Russell? You know, I do this stupid stuff. I'm looking at this debtclock.org, and I've been on this mm-hmm. this this you know ridiculous thing that if you look at, I looked at the uh, money supply growth the other day. And since in the beginning from COVID in the two and a half years, it blew up 40%. And now with all the Fed talking about what they're talking about, it's down 4%. So talk, it's not a, not a huge fight they're putting in there, right? But Because everything, if you look around, I just got a, a quote on a roof in my place, 40% higher than four years ago. Oh, of course. You know, everything, yeah. everything is in that 35 40% range. And I said, why are you so high? And he goes, well, the, the paper we use used to be 90 bucks. A roll now it's 150. The same 40 percent. I mean it, it's it's the number everywhere. But I'm looking at the U.S. Uh, credit card debt is 1.33 trillion dollars. Okay, and if you drop back to to 2020, that number was uh, 1.0. So it's up three 300 billion, which is 30 percent. We keep coming yeah. back to these same numbers, don't we? Yeah, they do. They do keep. Popping up, I, I heard. I heard that number with respect to uh, used cars the other day. Yeah, they're, they're coming they, back. They're coming they, down they, a little. Number, yeah, well, they've come down a little bit recently, but uh, just that as far as you know, the move, the COVID move. Yeah, call it that. Um, so, and I guess we're well. I, I I don't know if asset prices have kept up. Uh, dep- depends on. I'd, I'd have to. It de- depends on your starting point and a bunch of other things as well. Um, but I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think uh, if 
where where I'm going with that is how much underwater are people, and, and not just relative to what they can't buy anymore. Well, I, I, what I'm finding is yeah. that uh, um, you you can everybody I say everybody you know talks about well gasoline's cheaper than last year. Okay, I'm going to say the cost of uh, matter of fact <laughs> there was a God Russell it was like somebody listened to us last week because we talked about this. Somebody did a big thing on CNBC the other day talking about food stores. And the guy's uh-huh. walking, walking through the store, and he's talking about how the, uh, um, the, the any, anything that's processed, anything that's touched by somebody, is up 30% to 35%. Like your, your, uh, your, your dry, you know, your, your dry mashed potatoes that used to be a, a buck, a, a, you know, a, a tin, what do you call it, a little tinfoil thing is now a buck 30. All that stuff, your, your, your pork sausage is, went from three bucks to 450. That kind of thing, but your the price of chicken and the price of pork itself is in, is almost back to pre-COVID. I think. I mean, uh, steak isn't, but I mean you can find spots. Uh-huh. So, but it's any, anything that people sort of have to touch and drive with and have somebody involved yeah. is is up pretty dramatic. Any kind of uh, the windows that I in my place that I I had specked out are I did the f- one floor in twenty twenty one. It was eighteen hundred, and now they want twenty eight fifty for the floor above it. Same thing. Might be one more window. Uh-huh. So it's it's right on that thirty, thirty five, forty percent number, no matter what it is. It seems, and that's what the money supplies up. So I mean, yeah. if you're a monetarist, you're not shocked. I guess the new monetary people are, are wondering what's going on, but maybe that's what yeah, they do. They, I didn't think I didn't think things worked the way they used to. No, they're not supposed to work that way, right? <laughs> yeah. What does, so. So, so what's happening? On, what, what research are you doing? What's going on? What do you what do you make of these markets? And and also, do you believe the up and down uh, movement in the ten year rate in the last four days? Now it's right back where it started from. No, I, I, that, that one kind of perplexes me a little bit because and, and I I noted that I, I I don't feel like there's been any you know major new information that has come out that. Uh, that that you know that would cause that to happen. The only thing I had in the back of my mind, and I didn't didn't dig into it. I just didn't have a chance to. But you know, after the debt ceiling thing, there was this discussion that uh, you know there was going to be a whole lot of new debt supply coming into the market. Uh, you know, how well would it be absorbed? And when I see volatility around you know something like the ten year rate like that. It makes me just wonder if that that relates to what they've been doing auction wise. Um, I tried to. I saw. I saw what you're talking about, and I didn't read too much into it. Um, I thought about mentioning it because I was going to speak in a class next week about market liquidity and use that as an example. But I hadn't. I didn't dig enough into it yet. I just wonder if that that's what we're. If, if that's just a little bit of residual, um, because the government's got to borrow a bunch more all of a sudden. Because they couldn't for a couple of weeks. But are those, but these kind of moves are, uh, they're, they're really. I'm looking at the TNX here, on the uh-huh. uh, on the, the one year line, and we closed. I think it was last Thursday, maybe Russell. But I don't think it was Wednesday when you were on. Maybe it was, but I, I wasn't making a prediction or doing anything, you know, nuts or anything like that. Uh, where we actually it was Wednesday, where I gave the first traffic weather sports, and I said, uh, "Wow, it looks like." Uh, Ten years up from like three point seven to three point eight. It looks like it's making a run uh-huh. towards four. An hour later, it was four oh six. I think it tapped out at at four fifty on Friday morning. 
and now here we are the next week, and it's back down to three ninety something. So, I mean, it for you know. A, well, a 60 and we got we got we got contrasting uh, employment data late last week, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, when you were saying lately. I, I was thinking early this week, but uh, when you incorporate late last week, it's because we got you know what looked like pretty scary inflationary numbers on Thursday. And then, you know, this was one of the times that the ADP report didn't necessarily match up as well as, as the ADP people would like it to with the official employment report. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes that, that number used to do a real I, – I did dig into that a while back. And when they first invented the ADP number just so that they could get free advertising, I guess um, – it was for the first year or so. It did a pretty good job of giving you a heads up as to what the Friday number was going to look like, and um, they it just started to to disconnect. And I never really understood why it it had some disconnects. But you know, a couple times a year, uh, ADP tells you one story, and the uh, official number tells you a completely different story. We hadn't seen that in a while. Well, what is I, I, that? That had to contribute to to that. Um, the my understanding, the biggest disconnect between the two is ADP is only private employers, whereas the employment number includes uh, the government as well. Well, the ADP, you're right, and this just goes back yeah. a long time. When 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 John was still on the show, he'd say this ADP number sucks. It's supposed to, you know. It's supposed to be a predictor or match the other one. And I go, Jan, what are you talking The ADP number ought to be, in one man's opinion, since, uh-huh. I, what do they do, 30 40% of all the payrolls? The well, it, it's a big it number. Should give you, it should give you a clue as to a big portion of what we're going to see in the official employment number. Okay, but, I, but t- yeah. I take take the argument from the opposite should, direction. I mean, but it should be, and it even disconnects there as well. But I'm saying so. take, take the argument from the opposite direction. If if they're being straight, <clears throat> then they're saying uh, ADP did two hundred thousand more paychecks last month than we did the month before. I mean, how can you screw that up? I mean, it, 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 that's a number that is a number. I mean, it. I mean, well, it, you can't screw that. But what what happens is, um, you know, I've worked at really large places that have the ADP logo on the paycheck, and I've worked at smaller places that don't so it really gives you more of an indication of what's going on with bigger employers and smaller employers as well by the way we use adp pti we're not huge yeah. but i'm saying yeah, well, but, but, but it should be a number but, but i think but but it really if you think about it it just is automatically it's an absolute number um it's automatically going to give you more of a reading of what's going on with really large companies right. than small than, than small firms i guess without using that ridiculous yeah. statement it is what it is it's it's uh-huh. like it, it it should be just what it is, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And and I you know and and then the the Fed numbers come out, and and Carl's the master at going back to the unadjusted using them because he goes, I don't need these guys to tell me that Christmas comes every year. I can figure it out myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and and he's convinced now there might be a permanent uh, disconnect between the household number and the establishment number because of the amount of people working two jobs. Yeah, I can see that too. I, I completely see that because it appears. Whereas you're you're, yeah. ca- you're counting. Hell, I I I work two jobs. Yeah, you're being uh, counted. You're being counted yeah. twice. Yeah. 
So I totally am being counted twice. Yet if they called your home, said, your wife will say he's got a job. Yeah. She's not going to say, oh, no, my but, husband's so... No, he's got two jobs. He's got two jobs. So. Or three jobs or something. Yeah. You know, and, oh, by the way, he does income taxes on Saturday in the, in the season. You know, she's, she's not going to say that. They're not going to ask her that. Mm. So you might have two and a half jobs. Sure. You know, actually, I, you probably do. No, no I, don't, I, I, I don't want another half job. No. <laughs> well, you do have I a half job. You, you have another full-time job taking care of, a, of, of three ladies and four dogs. Oh, uh, well, yeah. That could be three, full. Three, lady, three ladies and now two dogs. What happened? Uh, we lost one last week. Which one? Not the, not the one you keep asking about. One of the older ones? Yeah, we have like an 18-year-old pug who just popped oh, out. That's horrible. I know. I know. Is everybody I wasn't going to bring it up, but you brought up the dogs. Well, everybody's concerned uh, about your... Uh, Aud- well, the other one, the if, other one's going to live forever. If, if, if Audrey's listening, she's already balling. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's... Sorry, uh, Audrey. It, she, she was a wonderful dog, had a great life, and, and it was, trust me, but over time. Her her poodle made so. it to 21. No, this, this one made it to 18 or so. That's this huge. This one was also for... rescued from the puppy mill farm, so had that a is... hard start to life and then had a really nice end of life. He, he fell into heaven yeah. when he fell into your place. Exactly. And this is, I'm this is say, doggy heaven. I'm going to say 18 years old is really old for a pug. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, this this poor baby was, you know, needed needed to be pointed in the right direction. And I, I, The little dogs with the pushed-in noses uh, have issues when they get older. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They get, they get arthritis. We, were, we had arthritis medicine. Um, we were giving the dog CBD so she could be comfortable and sleep. Yeah, so I had a little pothead. Had a little miniature pothead dog. <laughs> God, uh, she was living a great life, man. Oh yeah, the uh, well, Audrey's old, older one, Maggie, Eddie, moving, mo- mooching off the family and getting high over in the corner. Yeah, well, she, um, <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go back to the end of the first hour, which I think should be. Uh, about that last 10 minutes should be broken out and sold to communication departments around the world. Well, that's what Kevin does, is, is, was, is, is does mean, management that, that classes. just absolutely, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm old and, and I've been around for a while, but I, it, I, I, I love how he laid out exactly how you should respond to these things and about how it's not about, I, I love the, uh, Taking the president's statement and going, dude, it was not about you. Yeah, that's. You know, I, I just, it just, but the he laid out, laying out exactly everything that you need to hit on properly with a statement. That that was just that that was absolutely fantastic. I can't wait until I have my next, um, you know, high profile, uh, you know, tragedy or not tragedy, whatever. I, I'm having a word problem with my with my concussion brain for the moment. Um, controversy. That's yep. all I was trying to come up with. Uh, you know, when I have my next big controversy, I'm just going to re-listen to that, and uh, that's what I'm going to use as guidance for my statement. You know, you can say that about Kevin. I've known him too long. It would go to his head if I said that. Okay. We'd, no, you know, but no, that was just that that was just absolutely fantastic. Um, and, he, you know, and and what's what's kind of funny about that is isn't Northwestern sort of known for for uh, putting out media people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. would think you would you would think that I, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, I don't know, saying somebody something business wise happens, 
and you get a really poor comment from from somebody at, at Indiana's business school because that's what we're known for, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> you get this, like, you get this idea every every once in a while, and I don't, you know, I don't pay that much attention to it, but every once in a while, the schools that have the uh, the, the Greek system and, and decide, you know, they got to do this hazing stuff. Every once in yeah. a while, somebody goes over the top. I mean, it's all. Oh and yeah. It, and it's, oh yeah. And uh, and I would think that Northwestern being a school like that that somebody who's the new president the first time you catch wind of something like that you got to come down so hard that you let everybody know this is my attitude on this and the attitude is knock it off you know yeah. and uh, obviously in the first year i maybe this is the first time it's come in front of him or somebody or maybe it's been hushed or whatever but clearly uh, he had not formed an attitude about this that he could draw on, where everybody knew exactly what he was thinking and acted accordingly. I mean, that's that's sort of the beauty of. Uh, once in a while, I give uh, you know Star Trek uh, things because every once in a while, they, there was some good writing on that. And there was one of the, uh, the the young kid, the ensign. They gave him his first like real job where he had a, had a few people that were working for him, and he was supposed to do this research on something, and he was stumbling around trying to. Uh, tell people like what to do, and so finally he meets with the uh, you know the commander and the what's her name the counselor, and the commander says, "Well, what would Picard do?" He goes, "Well, that's easy. He'd listen to everybody's opinion and he'd make a call, and nobody would question it." He goes, "Well, then do the same thing." I mean, where people know exactly what you're coming from, what you stand for, where they can make decisions when you're not there that you would make, right? I mean, that's that's what a leader is supposed to do. That's why we we seem like we're leaderless in this country because half of our leaders seem to be sleazeballs, seem to be crooked on the side, or seem to be people you wouldn't you wouldn't play cards with because you think they were cheating. I mean, I, I I think we have a real problem with that. Uh, I you know, don't you? I mean, I, I mean, it's not like I mean we can, we're not going to solve it on this show, but 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 clearly it's not anybody who says you know I should be honest because I know the president is honest. I mean, we, it's not like we have George Washington there anymore. Or the governor, or any place, and and I think I think it starts to eat at you, Russell. It really does. I don't know what you can do about it, but you know, I don't no, no, no. That's just uh, yeah. It, it, I, 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 what what really circles back to me, and maybe I, I, I just can't believe that kind of crap still exists. Well, evidently, it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I, I just, it, it, and then the the other part of it, and. Um, th- this is the one that cracks me up sometimes is I could kind of understand it a bit if it were Michigan or Ohio State. Well, the Illinois, where, Illinois and Northwestern are huge Greek places. No, I, I was talking about the football team. Oh, I'll bet they're all in the same. Frater- I bet they're in the same two fraternities. They probably got two or three that are the football fraternities. I bet there's a there's a connection there. There, there might be. I mean, we didn't, uh, uh, you know, not, not, we, we didn't have a huge Greek system at Memphis State, but um, I, I, and there was a couple of basketball players and a football player or and a baseball player in my fraternity. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, even the hazing at the fraternity and things, I just, yeah, I, I remember what we would do and have done to us, and you don't, you just don't see as much of that anymore. You know, so I'm just I'm surprised that you know there's still. I uh, you know what I you know I I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You and I worked on a trading floor where doesn't matter how old you are, if you get a bunch of stupid guys together, stupid things are going to happen. 
Well, yeah, and it's but you know, remember yeah, the so uh, that, when guys are like winging the trading cards around. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Well, somebody yeah. would somebody would always say it's it's funny until somebody loses an eye or an eighth. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's why we had cur- You know, that's why we had the curved edges on the cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because because we don't want you don't want your eye to be put out. Well, and it, the the dude I yeah. uh, I drove home last night because he had to work late. Uh, he he went to one of these places that had all this stuff, and he goes, "The the issue is that you know if if when you're a pledge and you know you got six spots with the paddle on your ass then you can't wait to be the upperclassman so you can deliver eight there's like a, there's like a uh-huh. creep there's this constant creep because you want to do a little worse than the guy who comes in than they did to you uh you know I, yeah and i in in that it's funny because i was i i was kind of the opposite of that i just uh, i remember because I, I went through the whole greek system and all that stuff and um i i took it for what it was which was not terribly serious but um, there was one time it, that that the pledge group had done something. They they'd run out on a bill at a restaurant, and um, I completely freaked out on them about it. And one of the pledges even said, "They said we knew that we had really messed up because you were yelling at us about it." Yeah, I don't know. If that'd be so cool. You know, so, I yeah, I just don't. I you know, I, I, I don't understand the trying to outdo. You know what? I'm just not a normal person. That's just what it comes down to. Because um, there's so much about the world that I just don't quite understand. Well, I didn't understand this at all because I never even saw that in Notre Dame. It's one, probably one of the nicest things about Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, that's uh, you know, you guys don't haze each other in your dorms, but which I think is an awesome. So, yeah, you know, I took you know my daughter's to work, to to go tour the school and everything and. Man, I, I I had to give him my right arm to go to Notre Dame when when you hear the kids that talk about it that are there now talk about it. I'd say the the worst yeah. you ever did is some some freshman one to pile because I was the only guy with the TV. We had a big party room. Uh-huh. The worst that could happen to somebody is if you walked in and watched the TV as a freshman, you were welcome. But when it if somebody it was time to go to food sales, you had to make the run the first night down in the basement. But that wasn't that big of a deal. You don't buy people's <laughs> hamburgers. That was about as worst we ever did to anybody. And that wasn't so bad. I mean, most freshmen. No, are, that's not so bad whatsoever. In fact, I, you know, they, the freshmen are probably just happy to be allowed to hang out with. Oh, you. without a doubt, they were. It was. Uh, yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's. I mean, that you see that it, that that's normal. Oh wait a minute. You we know? we got to we're gonna head to break real quick. Consumer price point two percent versus point three. Why did everybody already know this number except us, Russell? SP futures now up thirty two. Nasdaq futures up one thirty. You know, what? it's getting to a point where I can I can tell what's happening, but I still refuse to trade on it because. I, I just I just can't do it. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 
$1.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord, welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 30. NASDAQ Futures uh, up 132. This is what the CPI number came out as uh, as 0.2 across the board here. CPI, and uh, we're going to dig into that in a second as soon as I'm done with this. Because um, we've got the uh, the Dow Futures up. Well, all this stuff is all this stuff is piling in late here. So, um, Greg, what's your traffic weather sports, and we'll come back to this in a little bit. All right. Morning, everyone. 735, 63 in Chicago, 75 uh, for today. Lots of thunderstorms, possible flash flooding, and uh, wind gusts, so be careful out there in Chicago. Phoenix, we've got 93 degrees right now, probably about up to 112, mostly sunny and dangerous heat today. Traffic, inbound Kennedy, O'Hare to the interchange is 52 minutes now, inbound Edens, Dempster to the interchange 49 minutes, inbound Ike, Wolf to the interchange 34 minutes. Sports, National League beat the American League 3-2. to two. Um, Tennis, we've got uh, Sinner beating Safulian um, in the men's. Rublev lost to Djokovic. And then in the women's singles, Pegula, the American, lost to Vondrasova. And Swatiek, the number one seed, lost to Elena Svitolina. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Yeah. Russell, I'm, I'm staring at the CPI number here, and I'm not going to ask you to do the same, but uh, I will ask one question for you, being the professor. Why, who, who, who gets to adjust this thing? This is three months in a row now where the unadjusted change was 0.3%, which is what, what was expected by the expectators, and somebody adjusted it down to 02 Now, does that person go long spoos before they do that or what? <laughs> I, I don't know if they if 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 they're allowed to adjust you know if they're allowed to adjust the number uh, based on what what their actual trade is, but um, I don't know the mysterious powers that be that decide that our healthcare costs are only four percent of our of of our costs. Well, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, funny you should mention that. Um, uh-huh. I don't I don't know that uh, I suspect. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to ask you, but I, I suspect that Indiana is paying for your uh, health insurance. But if not, yeah, yeah. So if you were to guess, 
first of all, it's only 0.6% of your basket. There's a line here regarding health insurance. What do you suppose, uh-huh. first of all, the 0.6% now, I think the Obamacare, and these numbers might be old, Russell, but if you're over, if you make over 50 grand, insurance is on you, right? You don't get any help? Under 50, you get some Obamacare help, I, I think. I, I think there's some help in there. I don't know. But um, we, we, we pay different rates depending on your salary. All right, so I pay a lot. I, I pay a lot more than you know a, a student worker if they happen to have insurance. Okay, we're um, but, but now but, let's say fifty five is a cutoff, or, or uh-huh. let's, let's make it even for grins, sixty grand is a cutoff. And so you get uh-huh. no, your family gets no help. You know, you're whatever you're you're an independent carpenter or something something. Uh huh. I'm going to say for decent coverage, your minimum minimum eighteen hundred a month. And, and that's with probably uh, fifteen hundred a month with with with, with probably a, a ten grand deductible. You're going to make me get out my paycheck stub. Well, I'm talking about what everybody's <laughs> paying. But. I know, I know, and everybody in general. And, and I do know that it continues to go up, and it's uh, oh no 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 it has on mine what my my premiums have. Do you know what health insurance, according to these people, has done in the last year? Oh, uh, has it come down? Twenty-five percent. It's how much? Twenty-five percent. It's come down twenty-five percent. Not only is it only point six percent, but let's real quick on the math. Let's let's say it's going down. Yeah. Well, let's let's say well the, the lowest level of Obamacare to Brian's care four years ago was twelve hundred a month. So I have to believe that if, if you and I get a decent program, it's it, let's just say it's two grand a month. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. twelve out of your sixty. Not to mention, you got a deductible in there, so that's that to me. Twelve out of sixty is sounds like twenty percent, not point six. Uh-huh. Um, how the hell could that have gone down twenty five percent in the last year? Unless these guys are dumb enough that if if you can say, okay, I'll go from two thousand to fifteen hundred, my deductible goes from ten to twenty, is that really dropping? No, not at all. In fact, I, my what's funny is we. Uh, to lower the cost, we actually raised our deductible this past year. Yeah. So I can't even, I really can't even do an apples to apples comparison. That's exactly right. Uh, but I, but on the, yeah. one, on the one hand, our, our government, our creatures, I read, uh, you know, I can't find this again, Russ. I'm so, I'm so horrible at finding stuff that is so damn interesting that I can't find it again. Somewhere buried in the bowels of the CPI report, which, by the way, has more detail in it than you can ever even imagine, you know. Oh yeah, white it's, rice, it's brown great rice. to break out. Yeah, yeah. Well, somehow I broke out. I broke out the Ford F one fifty, and this is long before COVID, and it was a ten year period, maybe an eight year period, whatever it was. I was able to dig through, and they went through every year how if the uh, if something gets, <clears throat> you can't just take list price. I get that, because one year, you know, automatic transmission, I'm going back a ways, is, is not included. The next year it is. Obviously, you got to. If you're just going to use the standard price, you got to add the, you know, the former option. You got to bump it. You yeah, bump it. Yeah. So over a, over a ten-year period, they had, you know, one year they added a bumper, one year they added this. There's a hundred bucks this year, two hundred bucks next year. Over a ten-year period, in their mind, the price of the F-150 had not gone up at all, when in fact it was up like twenty-five percent or twenty percent. But they added this stuff all along the way. But, but I'm thinking they're nowhere near as rigorous. 
on this mm-hmm. health insurance regarding deductibles and things like that than they are on adding stuff for the F-150. Because I don't see any way in hell. I mean, PTI pays for insurance for people. There's no way we're down 25% later. There's never been a year we've been down ever since we started. Yeah, I, I got I got no clue where that, that number is, is coming from. Not to mention, it's um, 20% of your income versus 0.6. There is a spread. Yeah, that's a huge spread, and that that would probably I, I I'm certain that uh, my healthcare costs are are much closer to the twenty percent than the point yeah. six. I mean, it's a uh, um, you know it, it's it's you know it, it you go through here, and you, but I still I, I'm astounded who does the adjusting because I get this feeling here, here look at the, this is this is just on the first page without even going. So there's long, a, there's adjusting and there's manipulating. Well, I mean if if the and, uh, well, here, here's here, here's a here's an example of somebody. Um, well, here's one that was adjusted the other way. Uh, let me find one. Uh, well, okay, I got toys, which is adjusted the other way. Uh, <clears throat> toys are down uh, 1.2% on the month, and somebody. So I got to believe there's five people that have a job that, that go out there and and uh, absolutely scour whatever. These places yeah. and, and figure out, and they come back and here's our sample of you know 400 toys, and it looks to us here toys, games, hobbies, and play and playground equipment. Um, the actual number is minus one percent. All right, so somebody somebody did that, and some other yeah. dude says, "Oh no, it's not minus one percent. We're going to make that one zero. That's the adjusted number." Who is yeah, that? Yeah, that's because that that's because you know toy toy demand is lower this time of year than like in December. Okay, but now this I don't is there, and that's yeah. That I'm saying that in a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek way. Um, that yeah, that that, but that that's their seasonal argument right there, is to you know to to smooth something like that out. Um, but you know, adjusting it high, you would think of anything they'd want to keep that that lower so that it appears that inflation is not, you know, that that, that inflation is now under control. Well, that's what they're telling you. But, year over year, yeah. it's only three percent, which is close to their their two percent. Getting there, yeah. Well, it, it is, but you. St- I, mean, I guess we still have an. Are, are we still going to claim that it's only twelve or fifteen percent since the start of COVID, when it's really more like thirty-five or forty? We, we, we're never yeah. going to. We're never going to make the, up. The, the official number is going to completely disconnect from uh, the the reality of what it costs to get by from day to day and that means that it, and, and we're already poking holes in the CPI and, and it's real easy to do uh, that just means uh, over time uh, people are not going to give any credibility to the, the numbers that are given to us to tell us how the economy is doing um, That's, and I, I'm, I'm one of the biggest uh, biggest proponents of ripping on China for making up numbers uh, out there and you know, the, I'm sure that that China could say the exact same thing about us if they wanted to. Well, I, the only thing that I have, yeah, they they can make a legitimate argument. I'm not saying that they'd be right, and I don't think it it's to the extent that they make numbers up. Because if your numbers are really bad, you can get you know if you're if you're running a province and your numbers turn out to be really bad compared to what the government what the central government wants you to do, you could you could lose your job, you know, lose a lot of us. Lose a lot of other things as well, so 
Yeah, I, I understand the incentive over there to line up the numbers. I'm not, I, I don't get the incentive to manipulate the numbers here. Well, I'll give you two reasons. You know, one, I, I can, I can, I can, I can think of like one off. Uh, you know, there was an employment number that came out just before uh, Obama's reelection, and it was a, it was a very favorable looking number, and then it got adjusted in the other direction after the election. Um, you know, I can I can see something like that happening, but a consistent misreporting and, and it having be, having it be intentional is where I start to get lost in the whole thought process. Um, is it intentional or is it negligence? I I think it's in when I when I was uh, younger, I used to think it was just people making mistakes. Now I'm convinced it absolutely is not, um, because. Uh, the same group of people make money. I mean, if we'd have known this number two days ago, we'd have gotten along two days ago, and we'd be up how much money? It's, yeah. it's, it's, in, it's well, very tradable. In front of it. It's very tradable. And, oh, by the way, it's, I mean, without a doubt, you're going to get the president and everybody out in the next hour to, you know, patting themselves on the back. So all you got to do is listen to people talking. But, I mean, the, the, you would think that the population, of course, hey, population has other stuff to do. They have a job. You know, like you do, I mean, you've got a yeah. But you, but I, but you, how do you? How many reports in a row do you have Morgan Stanley and people coming out and saying, by the way, the the rent prices are so high that they, on average now it's thirty percent of somebody's take home pay, or not even take home pay, thirty percent of their income, and here it is, rent of primary residence is seven and a half percent of somebody's basket. Name me anybody who's renting an apartment. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it, going it, to tell you that yeah, seven percent of the paycheck. Seven percent. If um, yeah, if if my you know my paycheck was ten grand, if I got one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a month or a year, I'm sorry, and so it's ten thousand a month. Um, am I really paying seven hundred in rent? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I mean, even if I were, even if I had roommates at this in this day and age, I don't think I'd be getting by. I don't think I could get by on seven hundred a month. Well, they actually had somebody. On and I, I, w- I had a, you know, I had an awful apartment in Indiana that cost me eleven hundred a month. Well, that, that seems high. Why could have? Uh... No, it really isn't. It, it, it's, it's, it, it sounds high, but it really, um, you know, for 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 a building with a doorman where I don't have to worry about my stuff when I'm not there for two oh, months. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there was a certain level of security that I, I, I couldn't live in one of those garden apartment prefab places. If I did that, it'd be about eight or nine hundred a month. Still, uh, you okay. know, it's, it's still, still relatively expensive. But I mean, I, I mean, I, there, there does seem to be a uh, a push for these numbers to be. I, mean, I, I look at it from the other the other side, uh, Russell. Well, well, you know, well, you, I don't know if you. Uh, we have to dig out that interview one of these days. Um, we had Professor uh, Goodhart. You ever heard that name? Mm-hmm. Um, what What is his law that any any uh, index that has become something that people uh, strive toward ceases to be a value of an index because people just mess with it? Because uh, all the behavioral stuff gets in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, you know, there, there's a there's a great dissertation topic right there. Is uh, the impact of behavioral finance anomalies on um, the calculation of official uh, economic statistics? Well, because I, I mean, if you look well, at, I, I really, I really wish I had written that down. Yeah, well, you can go back and listen. 
All right. Well, yeah, I'll have to because God knows I won't remember it. Um, it's, it was it was really uh, up there. I liked it. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know where that came from. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll ask the question. I've asked probably maybe I've asked you. I've asked a lot of the other contributors. If you and I got in the housing business ten years ago and we said we're going to build this house, by the way, we're going to charge you three fifty, uh, which means we're going to make fifty. Uh, hopefully, uh, we're going to make three. We're going to charge you three fifty, and we're going to build you. 10 a year for the next 10 years and we're going to inflate the price of 350 via the CPI. And you're you're asking, screwed. Which, which, which year did we go out of business? <laughs> year 5 or 6? It's not even you're remote. A, yeah, you're not, it's not even remotely close. No, not at all. And right. you, know what, you know what is tied to CPI and, and which is kind of interesting is um, a lot of salaries. Yes. The uh, I, you know I was on the school I got elected to the school board out here, and the teachers contract was you know you got an annual raise and it was CPI plus something. That happened. But, that was happening right at the when I first entered the business world. The unions, you know, we had inflation really from '68 to '82, right somewhere in there. Was, mm-hmm. Finally, yeah. and everybody talks about. I mean, the whole concept of this, you know, wage push and pro- inflation, it, first of all, is all BS um, in, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways because by the time the unions, when we had unions, uh, we still have uh, employee unions, which you're talking about, I mean, public employee unions. By the, time uh-huh. regu- by the time regular unions realized how bad they were getting hosed by this and actually got a contract with, with the CPI stuff in it, it probably was... 78 you know or 77 mm-hmm. I mean and, and maybe the last year or so since the CPI even if it's done properly is a laggy indicator maybe the last year or so the increase in wages did actually push inflation a little bit but there is no way on God's earth that you could say that somebody from 68 to 82 made out like a bandit through his, his salary because of the CPI kicker I mean, there's no way if you took the whole period that somebody made Anywhere, anywhere, you know, was able to keep pace by that at all. Oh gosh, no. So, but anyway, what I'm saying is, is if when you have that kind of a kicker, you know, it's it's nice, but it happens only after the. I don't think anybody has one. Look at these these contracts that are coming up now: UAW, UPS. If if you take my inflation numbers, and I think you're closer to me than than what they're telling you. If you take my inflation numbers, if you give somebody of the last four years. If they got a four percent raise a year for four years, I'm going to say you're, they're down whatever. Not to mention you're probably up a tax bracket, which means you got to give more to the government. So it's not yeah. what I've what I've determined, and I think I could prove it to anybody of the, the mutts on TV. The biggest the biggest beneficiary of inflation is the government because people go up oh, tax yeah. go up tax brackets. And we, remember when we went from a gazillion tax brackets down to like two or three? Now we're back up to what? About six? Yeah, I do. I mean, I yeah, I know that they're they've they've sliced and diced it more. But now they're now they're back up uh, to however maybe the, the biggest one I think and I should look it up for help my pile here. I think if you make forty two thousand up to forty two, you're 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 paying like ten or twelve percent, and then once you jump from forty two to fifty five, it goes to like twenty. How many people have had to go from forty-two to fifty-five just to just to stay even over the last four just years? Just to stay, yeah. And now they're paying uh, yeah, another ten yeah. percent to the government. 
Plus, guess what happens if the price of a two by four goes up? So does your eleven percent tax in Chicago. Duh. Yeah. That's so funny. Eleven percent sales tax. I don't think people actually realize that. No, I mean um, it's it, it yeah. You become numb to it unless you're like me and you get to go buy stuff in a different state. Well, you know, I, I yeah, I don't I can I can't I don't think I bought gas in Illinois uh, in two years now. Well we're up to we're up to ninety two cents a tax yeah. in Illinois. Yeah. But you know, so. but even I don't know how the the population and I don't see when I say the population, I'm part of it, and so are you. Uh, there's only so much stuff you can you can uh, you can keep your eye on, you know. There, mm-hmm. There's so much stuff, to, and I mean, it's like what was they saying in the trading floor? You can't take a drink out of a fire hydrant. Yeah, uh, fire. Yeah, it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose sometimes yeah. with all the stuff that can be thrown at you, and you, you you narrow it down to a handful of things. And the I I mean the the handful of things that you narrow it down to, uh, if you're living check you know if you're living check to check is the stuff that you do and the things that you buy and you know it, you used to go through a cycle where you would buy a new car every four years I, I, you know that was just kind of the the habitual thing um i i i heard a stat yesterday that the average age of of a car on the the road in the u.s has jumped from nine years to 13 years and, and going higher everybody yeah and because there, everybody keeps trying because you're trying to so that's the thing right there. Like, you know, let, let's say, you know, let, let, let's just say that I was like a corporate type person that, you know, made a salary, got the, you know, got a, a bump when I got promoted every once in a while, but typically my raise was supposed to be keeping pace with inflation. Um, you know, if, if the kind of stuff that I used to do, I just suddenly can't do anymore. That, those are the things that hit home. And I think those things, um, they take a while to, to hit everybody because you know they're typically to, to hit everybody's you know line of thinking um, because they're 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 things that the big purchases are the things that you only do once every you know two three four years well that's what's, um, that's or what's they, you know take the same same vacation that you take forever and that ends up being you know the price point that you that that you can remember you know that the the condo that my family would rent when we went on vacation when I was growing up um, I remember that it was like when I was I, I remember numbers quite well um, so when I was That's around 10 years old it was 400 yeah I know it was like 400 bucks for the week and I can remember like three years later and this was late 70s uh, it had popped from 400 bucks to 600 bucks which is you know it's, like, a, it's uh, a real number 50 percent it's a lot yeah, I mean, and, and you know, we're talking about uh, you know a family that that you know saves up the saves up for vacation every year, um, and all of a sudden we, we would go, we would do, we would have a pattern of what we do. We would go down to a certain part of Florida, and we would go out to eat every single. You know, that was the big thing was we'd go out to eat. My dad loved seafood, and we got to eat every night while we were there, and. Then it went to it went to all right. We're going to go out to eat three nights while we're here, and um, we're going to hit the grocery store when we get there. It, it, it the, the the quality of our vacation went down, and that that it, it's almost and, and that wasn't a dollar thing. It was just the whole experience, and I think that's the kind of stuff that that catches up with people. And honestly, I think it just defeats them because well, there's there, there, there's a few. I mean, what the? I mean, what the hell were we supposed to do differently to to keep doing something that was 
you know, a consistent part of, of my family's life. I don't, I, well, you just yeah. uh, said um, much more articulately than, than I've been stabbing away at it is I, the, in, in this whole mess, there is, uh, you know, economics is a behavioral science, right? In this whole mess, mm-hmm. I think we were talking about auto bills. Well, two things. One is five years ago, Audrey had this really nice repair facility in the southwest side for sale. A, we should have bought it. <laughs> yeah. But the, having said that, uh, I'm going to say right now, in the last five years, we went from 20% of the population or 25% of the population never being alone in a new car to maybe as high as 50 to 60. Mm-hmm. That, are, that are never going to be able to walk in and say, 50 grand, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, no, that it, it, it's... Um, and... I, 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 you know, I, we've talked about this before. I live where there are a whole bunch of car dealerships. The, the, the overflow lots that these dealerships are using out here in the western suburbs are pretty darn full. Oh yeah, but you're so, making more I, per I, car. You know, you, you... I, I think I, I think the auto companies are have been overproducing to, to play what they think is going to be some sort of catch up from 2020, but. That that's that I don't think that's ever going to occur for them, because people can't afford to to buy the new car for the catch up. Well, and I, I think on top yeah. of it, we've had this fiasco with the student loan stuff. Okay, and I yeah, oh, that's you know that's another thing. Yeah. Is good God, when I, I I have a student loan for my PhD, and you know, I, and my PhD was just completed a couple of years ago, and the reason I did it was it was such a cheap loan. You know, I mean, it was. Well, you had the, one, um, the government one, or weren't some weren't some government I have, three and I have, a half? I have, and... I have the I have the government one, and I've got a four point eight percent rate on it. And don't don't a lot of people have a blended one where the other part of the blend's like six and a half or something? Yeah, I I I I, I got a, I got that, and the thing is, um, my thinking was I can do better than four point eight percent with cash, trading and investing myself. So I decided to do student loans for school. Okay, that makes sense. So, I mean, that really was my—I didn't have to, um, but that my 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 student loan payments are are right at a thousand bucks a month. Well, the the, yeah. the couple upstairs to me in my in my building, uh, nicest people that ever walked. Uh, both worked their fanny off jobs, no kids, and uh, they were telling the guy who does our handyman stuff. I said. We're never going to be able to afford a house because they both have the you know, hundred and fifty grand st- student loan thing. We're never going to be able to have a new car, and we're never going to be able to own a house. And then and we're college educated people that both have decent jobs. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's that's not my America. Uh, no, no, not at all. That's that's being that's that's almost like indentured servitude, isn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt. And uh, yeah. plus, you you lose well, your independence. You can't just walk in and say, "Take this job and shove it." <laughs> Well, and it, that, that that you know that that they've been uh, they have not been making payments. I haven't been making payments for two or three years now. Um, I'm getting ready to have to in yeah. September, and uh, you know what what kind of impact is that going to have on the economy? I, I'm not so sure they haven't. You know, for you, you, you for, were, for you were me, able I mean, to... for me that I mean that 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 for me that's that's money that I'm just not saving elsewhere that I, that I actually already saved elsewhere. Um, but if I, you know, if I was coming out of undergrad, and you know, 
I mean, that, that, that would be a significant amount to me yeah. at the beginning of my career compared to what it is now. But now, now you're and that's a, and that's a behavior that's a behavior changing thing where yeah. if I was you know if I was poking around thinking about getting a new car and um and I know that I'm getting ready to have to start you know that that a thousand dollars a month that I'm n not paying right now is getting ready to come out of my bank account you know starting at the end of September. Uh, that's going to influence my decision around major purchases. Oh, is your interest been piling up, or is there going to stay on the interest? Oh no, it's uh, there's been a stay on the interest. Okay. And what what's funny is I was um, before all of this stuff was happening. You know, but I was actually paying extra on my student loan to pay it off early. And you probably will again. No, I won't. Well, just make sure you make more than five percent and don't give it to Bernie Madoff. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that I, I and no, I won't, and no, I won't ever. Yeah, because there is this. I mean, if I had paid, I'll tell you, if I had paid that thing off early, and they turn around and forgive, yeah, you know, and I'm not in a situation where it's ever going to be forgiven for me. But if I had, you know, done what I consider the right thing, and paid my debt off early. And then three months later, you know, the the government comes in and says we're going to forgive all the student loan debt. I would be absolutely irate. Well, that's why and, they should. That's why they. And that's that is why I will do nothing but the minimum um, payments. And there's a good chance that uh, you know, because I, I I have to pay for like ten years. I mean, there is a possibility that my demise may come about before <laughs> I'm paying off my student loans. Um, uh, I'll take the old. But I, I am not going to try to pay it off early anymore. I, I that, you know, that was they the should, first thing. Is what they should what, fix. What the heck it. was I thinking? They should. They should fix this. We got a dasher. They they should fix this uh -huh. by by retro. Uh, the last ten years, retroing everybody's interest down about two percent. Since all the big shots were getting the stuff for free, and you you get that taken off your loan. And if you paid it off early, you get a rebate on the interest you paid. And they should. Get oh to, yeah, they should. No, the, so, the responsible people, but that's not what we, that's not what we're doing. No, you know, well, that, plus, if, if you've got a really, I know you're trying to jump, but if you got a really good credit score, you, you know, they want to charge you more for a mortgage. Oh yeah. Well, and plus the idea that it's not it's not so. uh, dischargeable in in bankruptcy. Never remembers the story about the two doctors that discharged theirs right away, and that's why it's this uh, onerous. But the fact is, there's people who. Are dead, and the person who co-signed is in is in a nursing home, and they're they're done in them. I mean, come on, I mean let's yeah. let's let's be let's be normal on this. Uh, anyway, Russell, thank you. Have a good week. What, are we ever going to see you? Uh, at some point, I'll get my butt out of bed and get down there. I well, promise. Drag your daughter, because with all this weather going around here, I want to quiz her. I know she she is not a morning person. You should see the eye roll I get when I say you got to do this this summer. Yeah, but her first meteorological job on TV might be from five to six. Then what's she gonna do? Uh, is that, she's not doing that. All right. All right just I'm saying. just telling you, she 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 would she could be the next Cheryl Scott. But I, I, that's not the direction she wants to go. She wants to do the science. Ah, well, that's cool. Well, you know, the yeah. early bird gets the science, they say. Or yeah. Is that the worm? I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Russell, thank you. SPV is up 34. NASDAQ is up 150. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks.
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.